Look at just one verse taken from our scripture reading, Matthew 1, 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. The story of Christmas is an incredible account. There's a song that says it's the greatest story ever told, and in fact, it is. There's so many things about this narrative that we could say are amazing and incredible, but I think one of the most amazing thoughts of all is the fact that God would be with us. God, the creator of the entire universe, God who breathed into us the breath of life, God who spoke these worlds into existence, the holy, perfect God, the righteous God would be willing to become man and come down and dwell among us is truly an amazing, amazing thought. You notice this doesn't begin with once upon a time. This is not a fairy tale. This is an actual factual event that took place. You know, some of the most important biblical doctrines are found in this account. Things that are fundamental to the Christian faith. Here we have the virgin birth. It says, A virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. Now, this is the first thing skeptics will attack and cynics will say, well, that's impossible. That's humanly impossible. Well, they're right about that. But mankind had nothing to do with this. This was part of God's plan. You consider again that God spoke the worlds into existence. You think about how He formed the first man from the dust of the ground that He created, breathing Him the breath of life. Then He put Him to sleep and pulled out a rib and created a woman. Someone said that was the prime rib. I don't know about that. But God doesn't need man's help. Certainly if God could do that, it would be nothing for God to allow a virgin to conceive and bring forth a son, and that's exactly what he did. We have the doctrine of the Trinity here. A son shall be brought forth, his name shall be called Jesus. So so we see Jesus, that second person of the Trinity. You know, the Holy Spirit was active at Christ's birth. It says that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So we have the third person of the Trinity there that day. God the Father was present. It says, All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. The Lord God the Father revealing His plan to mankind through the prophets. We have the doctrine of salvation through Christ. Thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. We consider all of these amazing things. God's plan of salvation, the hope of all humanity, the essence of the gospel message. You have the mystery and the wonder and the beauty of Christmas. You know, if you were to condense all of that into one verse or into one thought, I believe verse 23 would capture that. They shall call His name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That's hard to get our minds around if you really think about that. But we know if it weren't for that fact... None of these other things would be possible. You know, salvation would be unattainable. If God hadn't come in human flesh and given His life on that cross and rose the third day, 
The Bible says we would still be dead in our trespasses and in our sins. Thank God, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. This is one of those great mysteries we can't understand, and I certainly can't explain it, yet we know it's absolutely true that God became a man. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. First John says, That which was from the beginning we've seen and heard and our hands have handled of the Word of life. You know, I heard a story the other day about a small boy who thought he was big enough to move upstairs, so he decided he wanted his bedroom upstairs from his parents. And one night there was a terrible thunderstorm, and so he was frightened, and he came to the head of the stairs, and he called down. He said, Mom, Dad, somebody, can you come stay with me in my room? The dad said, Son, you're okay. The Lord's with you. He says, Well, I know, but I need somebody with skin on him. Well, that was what God did. God became a man. God became man in human flesh, dwelt among us. Why is this so important? Well, we know there was this great goal fixed between God and man, and that was a result of man's sin and disobedience there in the garden. Man enjoyed unbroken fellowship with God until the day when sin entered in, and by their choice, That relationship with God was severed. It separated man from God. Isaiah 59, 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. As a result of the fall, a situation was created, an impossible situation for mankind to fix. Man could never reach to where God was. Yet God could reach down to man. Man could never become God, yet God could become a man, and in fact did become a man, a perfect, sinless, perfect, pure, holy man, but a man nonetheless, God in the flesh, a God with skin on him, Emmanuel, God with us, fully human, yet fully divine. That's hard to get your mind around. One of those mysteries, yet absolutely true. You know, there's many differing opinions about who Jesus is, even today. There were differences of opinions back when Jesus walked this earth. Jesus asked His own disciples, He said, Whom do men say that I am? He said, Well, some say John the Baptist or Elijah or some other prophet. Men will say the same thing today. Some will say Jesus is a prophet a good teacher, a philosopher, a historical figure. Many have a belief in Jesus. You know, many skeptics will even admit that at least Jesus was a historical figure. You know, the Bible says that even the devils believe and tremble. You know, the most important and critical thing of all is not that we have a belief in Jesus. It's what we believe about Jesus That's the difference between life and death. It truly is. Jesus is God in human flesh. Colossians 1.15 describes Jesus as that perfect image of the invisible God. 
The Lord we can't see became the God we can see through Jesus Christ, and He was that perfect image of God. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by Him, speaking of Jesus... Excuse me, I jumped ahead here. We'll get to that in a moment. Hebrews 1, 3 it says that He was the express image of God. Colossians 2, 9 and 10, it says that in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All of God's nature, all of God's essence, all of God's deity dwelled within His Son, Jesus Christ. And it says, and ye are complete in Him. You know, Jesus never, ever once for one moment gave up His deity as a man. There are some that will teach you and they have this word for it. They call it kenosis. I call it baloney. That's the idea that Jesus somehow in His humanity gave up His deity. Not a chance. Never for one moment in Christ's earthly ministry did He ever cease to be God. Fully God. Fully man. From the womb to the tomb, He was God. God in human flesh. Some say He was a man with great faith in God and that's how He did all of these miracles. Well, a man with faith in God could never save us. It had to be God Himself. That's what Jesus did. He took on the form of a man and gave Himself on that cross. Jesus Christ was not a created being. Some religions, many religions will teach that. They put Him on the level of the angels, but they say He's not divine. Jesus was not a created being. Some say the Son of God didn't exist until His birth in Bethlehem. Not true. The Word of God says that Jesus Christ is eternal. Jesus was the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by Him, again speaking about Jesus, were all things created that were in heaven and in the earth. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Jesus Christ was without beginning and without ending. Jesus existed in heaven before He ever set foot on this old earth. You know, I was thinking about some words to that song, Mary, Did You Know? I won't sing it, but I'll quote it for you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is the Lord of all creation? Did you know your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb, the sleeping child you're holding is the great I Am? I don't know if Mary knew that or not. I'm assuming she was aware of that to some point, but we know Jesus is the great I am without beginning and end. Jesus said that about Himself. He said, before Abraham was, I am. You know, Jesus never said, I am God, but He said it every other way possible. Tells us in John, He said, I and the Father are one. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the Son of God. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. John 14.8, when one of Christ's own disciples, Philip, came to him after he'd been with Jesus for three years, he said, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. It'll be enough. I tried to picture Jesus' response to Philip's comment. He said, have I been with you so long? In other words, all this time? 
He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Don't you get it, Philip? I am God in human flesh. Because you've seen me, you've seen God. Hebrews 1.8, this is what God had to say about his son Jesus. But unto the son he saith, speaking about God, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. If God referred to Jesus as God, what does that tell us? Jesus is God in human flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Why did God come to us? It says, those that walked in darkness have seen a great light. God came to us in the form of His Son to make His nature and His character known to us. The invisible God would become visible through His Son, Jesus Christ. We could witness firsthand the mercy and the love and the compassion and the forgiveness of God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus was that perfect example and perfect model of what life could be and what we can be through Jesus Christ. That same love and compassion, that same holiness, that same forgiveness can be shed abroad in our hearts through Jesus. Second Peter tells us, by His divine power, He gives unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through Christ, we can be partakers of His divine nature. We can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. This is all through Jesus Christ. Tells us in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And it says, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. God became man, gave his life on the cross so that we could have eternal life. You know, part of the mystery and the wonder of Christmas isn't in the fact that God became man or that Jesus came at all, but it's in how he came. Consider that. God didn't come as a man fully formed. He came as a little tiny baby. Someone said lots of babies have become kings. Only one king ever became a baby. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, yet he set that all aside and came as a little baby in a manger. It's been said, how could we follow his steps as a man if we hadn't seen him crawl as a child? God was willing to make the full sacrifice. He was willing to start from infancy all the way to adulthood. You know, Jesus didn't take any shortcuts on his way to the cross. Jesus understands our struggles. He understands the trials of life, the things we face, because He Himself willingly faced them and put Himself through the same rigors of life that we face every day. Hebrews two seventeen and 18, Wherefore in all things it behooved Him to be made like unto His brethren, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. When Jesus says, I know how you feel, he knows how you feel. He does. He's been there. 
He's walked in our shoes. You know, God didn't just view our plight and our struggles from a heavenly throne. He came to where we were. That is incredible if you think about that. You think about the condescension that God showed to come to this earth to dwell among man. Why would God choose a stable or a manger as a starting point? I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but I have. You know, I think we have a romanticized view of the manger. It's not like you see depicted on the Christmas cards where it's a spotless environment. Everybody's smiling. The animals are smiling. They have halos above their heads. Wasn't like that at all. This is a place where they kept livestock, cattle, animals. It was often probably very dirty and unsanitary. Not a place befitting of a king or any other person. Nobody would want their child to be born in a stable. A manger was a feeding trough. It wasn't a crib. It was a trough where they put grain, where the animals stuck their heads and ate. That was the cradle of the king. Couldn't God have done better? He could have, but He chose not to. And I believe He did this to send a deliberate message to every one of us. God's willing to go to any lengths. Willing to condescend to the lowest place. No matter how obscure or filthy or unattractive or undesirable, He's willing to go there to transform that place. And I believe Jesus... In doing this was sending a message that he identifies with the least of us. You know, the only thing we need to do is to make room for him. It says there was, because there was no room for the inn, they had to lay him in the manger there. You know, Jesus won't go where he's not invited. He won't go where there isn't any room. Some people... Many people, it's easy to picture Jesus as this little tiny baby in the manger. Sadly, many people leave him there. You know, a baby in a manger isn't going to do us any good. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus' own words, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him and will sup with him, and he with me. You know, it doesn't matter how dirty or broken or cluttered or messed up your heart is or your life may be even this morning. If you're willing to make room for Jesus, if you're willing to simply open your heart to the door of your heart, repent, surrender your life to Jesus, invite Him in, the Lord will come in and He'll transform your life. You will pass from death into life. Not only can He be Emmanuel God with you, He can be Emmanuel God in you. That's why Jesus came. One other reason he came, it tells us 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. This is probably the most amazing thing of all. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ, God's Son, that righteous, holy, spotless Lamb of God, became sin for us. The one who knew no sin. There was no sin in Jesus, but I'll tell you, there was a lot of sin placed upon Jesus that day. The sins of the whole world, your sins, my sins, the guilt, the shame of the entire world placed upon Jesus. Why? Why would He do it? 
so we could be reconciled back to God, so we wouldn't have to pay that penalty for sin. Jesus did it for us because of His incredible love for us. Truly, Jesus would rather die than live without us. And that's what He did. He gave His life on that cross. You know, the first time He came, He came as a sacrificial lamb to save us from our sins. The second time He comes, He's not coming as a lamb. He's going to come as a lion. He's not coming to forgive sin. He's coming to judge sin the second time. You know, the first time Jesus came, He came with a whimper and a cry. Next time He comes, He's going to come with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. Many, tragically, missed His coming the first time. Sadly, many will miss His coming the second time. We don't have to miss His return. We can be ready when the Lord comes again. If you're willing to open your heart, invite Him in today. When the Lord returns, we'll be ready for that day. We won't be caught unaware. It could be at any moment. It could be today. We don't know, but we can be ready. Thankful for that. Says the second time he comes, he's coming without sin unto salvation. But right now, he's Jesus Christ, the one that takes away the sin of the world. If you need your sins forgiven this morning, you can have that. The greatest gift you can ever receive is the gift of eternal life provided through Jesus Christ, God's own Son, God in human flesh. He's here today. He wants to work on your behalf, He wants to help you, bless you today, whatever you need. Just open your heart to the Lord. Make room for the Lord. He'll come in today. We're going to sing song 478. These altars are open.